want to uh, take a moment to introduce this morning's message. Uh, we have the privilege to hear from another voice this morning. Uh, I've been getting to know Pastor Micah Thompson. He serves at St. Timothy's in South Burlington, uh, which is a church family that uh, many of us have good friends and uh, connections to. Many of you will remember Arabella Hubbard uh, and uh, her time at JCC and uh, she serves and helps lead that congregation. Uh, but Pastor Micah and I had talked about sharing encouragement and teaching during this season of Advent with one another's congregations. So this morning, uh, Micah is going to share uh, a message on what it looks like for us to wait in the peace of this Advent season. And he has selected uh, for that, that sermon reflection uh, the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, which we heard read um, by the Gagneys this morning as they lit the Advent candle. Let me encourage you to turn to that passage of Scripture now uh, and open up to it as he teaches, uh, teaches and brings the word to our body this morning. Also, uh, a reminder that today is uh, Communion Sunday, so we will be receiving the Lord's uh, Supper together. So if you are at home, let me encourage you as, uh, as we hear the word of God brought to us that you also make preparations um, to receive from the Lord, uh, from his table together at home following the, the time of teaching. So with that, um, let me uh, introduce Micah Thompson to you and know that next week I'll have the chance uh, to teach us here, but also to virtually teach uh, and preach to their congregation in the same way. So that's an exciting opportunity of mutual encouragement. Well, good morning, Jericho Congregational Church. Thank you for having me today. I'm Micah Thompson. I serve as the priest of St. Timothy Anglican Church in Burlington. And this morning, I do bring you greetings in the name of Jesus from uh, myself, from my family, and from your brothers and sisters at St. Timothy. I am sorry that I'm not able to be with you in person today. It had been our great hope for Pastor Dave and I to exchange pulpits uh, by video and in person, and I had the chance to tour your beautiful church grounds and sanctuary a couple of weeks ago before the most recent restrictions. I was looking forward to being there this morning, uh, but unfortunately the, the most recent restrictions have changed things for St. Timothy, and it means that I need to be live streaming during the same hour. So thank you for your flexibility, uh, and I am hopeful for a day down the road when I can be there in person with you. Thank you also to the uh, to Dave, the past Pastor Dave, and the leadership for trusting me this morning to uh, bring you the Word of God. If you would pray with me uh, this week in our prayer book, uh, we do a weekly prayer um, that comes from the prayer book. But this is one of my favorites and very appropriate to the beginning of a sermon. So would you pray with me? Blessed Lord, who caused all scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, would you do that just for us? In your living word, would you, Holy Spirit, give us grace to hear it, read it, mark it, learn it, and inwardly digest it, and live more fully as your people. I pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. I would invite you to open your Bibles this morning 
to 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, which was read a few minutes ago. Are we at St. Timothy, and I know you at Jericho, and many Christians around the world during the season of Advent are exploring these classic Advent themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. I shared with our church last week that these are uh, sort of beautifully heartwarming feelings, right? These, these words get on our Christmas ornaments, and they go on our walls, and they get on our Facebook pages, and they're heartwarming. They are uh, the, the cinnamon on our latte. They are the slippers that we wear by the fire. They're heartwarming ideas. Hope, peace, joy, and love. But upon closer inspection, we find that they are actually acts, attitudes of defiance against a world that is chaotic and fearful and hostile and hateful. And we need the Holy Spirit to strengthen our backs and put fire in our belly to maintain an attitude of hope or peace or joy or love in a world that is full often of despair and frustration and chaos and confusion. Today we're going to take a few minutes to look at the idea of peace. We're especially going to be looking at verse 14 of 2 Peter which says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace. Peace is an is interesting topic. It's an interesting idea to talk about because a lot of people really think they get it. A lot of us really think they do. I, I live down in Hinesburg, uh, a rural town. And along the street to my house, which is not a not a side street, not back, but there's a, a barn, an old barn, that's right up by the road. And on the side of the barn, they've hung a, a, an old wagon wheel of some kind. They've knocked out a bunch of the spokes and hung some lights on it. So when you drive past at night, you get a big old peace sign just there, just, just to greet you and remind you. And of course, as many people in Vermont... Uh, no, there, this is a remnant. It was a symbol of a 1960s, 1970s anti-war movement that argued if we could just get conflict to end, there would be peace. And a different approach, very many of our U.S. Uh, military missions are called peacekeeping missions. And the UN itself, with their blue helmets, go in with tanks and guns and, and, and troops with a philosophy that if we can just remove the bad actors, then the world will be at peace. This past summer, and, and in through the fall, with the, the racial marches, racial reckoning marches that were going on, around our nation. One of the literal rallying cries was no justice, no peace, with the argument, with the perspective that peace will only be possible if we can deal honestly with the wrongs that were done and are being done. And that the pathway to peace must lie through justice. If you drive around 
looking for religious places, even here in Chittenden County, you'll find a nearly limitless number of places that promise uh, religious peace, spiritual peace, inner peace, personal peace, connection with a higher power, connection with yourself. If you watch carefully uh, or listen carefully to the advertisements that are, are abundant during the Christmas holiday season, if you watch carefully, you'll you'll see that what they're selling very often is not a product, not a gift, something you can buy, but what they're selling is a lifestyle of peace and abundance that can be yours if you just give us your money and get this thing. The message that we are left with upon receiving all of these, these messages about peace, and by the way, I, I think a lot of these are true, Right? Eliminating bad actors is necessary, and the path to peace lies through truth and justice. And we pray that wars will end. And of course, as a priest in a church, I believe that connection with God through Jesus Christ brings us an inner peace, and we're going to talk about that today. The message we're left with, though, is that the world around us is chaotic, the world is in conflict. And there are a lot of solutions to that. And the message we receive about peace is that if we can just eliminate conflict, we'll be at peace. But, but biblically, is peace more than just an absence of conflict? Yes, it is. The Bible has a lot to say about peace, and all of it tells us that peace is more than just getting to the end of the list of problems. In fact, the Bible will demonstrate to us in our experience, certainly will show us that there is no end to the list of problems. And yet peace is possible. So if you do a, a search, an online search of the word peace in the Bible, you'll find that it comes up over 350 times. We're not going to look at all of them this morning. Well, that doesn't even include those things like peacemaker and peaceful and other uh, variations of the word. Just the word peace shows up over 350 times. Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount that the peacemakers are blessed. Ephesians tells us that he, Jesus, is our peace. Here in this season leading up to Christmas, no doubt from the prophet Isaiah, you will hear again and again that he is the Prince of Peace. And the angels declared to the shepherds in the field that there is now, in the coming of Christ, peace on earth. One of my favorites, Psalm 85, tells us that righteousness and peace kiss each other. That these two things go hand in hand. The message of the Bible is that peace is not just an absence of conflict, but peace is an active positive relationship. It is grounded and exampled for us in the person of Jesus Christ in his actions of coming to earth to deal with in honesty and truth the conflict that has been between us and God. But not just setting aside the conflict, there is an active and positive relationship seeking the other's benefit that is part of biblical peace. It is more 
than just an absence of conflict. And that is good news for us. It's good news for us. If you can look with me in 2 Peter chapter 3, I want to look at peace here in verse 14, which tells us to be diligent to be found by him uh, without spot or blemish and at peace. And this is an interesting place to look at it. Of all the scriptures I mentioned about peace, it's interesting to come to 2 Peter. And I think it's maybe first thing to notice and admit is that this is not a peaceful passage. The people who received this letter at first, and you can see it here in our passage about God's patience. This is one of the last letters of the New Testament to be written. And and 2 Peter was written late. The people who were receiving it were prepared for Jesus to return. They were waiting for him to come, and they were frustrated and confused that he hadn't yet. They were living in conflict, living in persecution, living in faith, and their experience of following Jesus did not match their expectation of his immediate return. And so even before Peter writes anything to the church, they are a people who are not at peace in this manner. They are confused. They are frustrated, and their expectations did not match their experience. And so God did not seem to be who they expected him to be. And how true is that for us very often? Maybe we're not just like they were expecting Jesus to come back any moment, at least not with the, not with the intensity that they did, having that dulled over the last 2,000 years. But how often have we grown up? How often have we come to faith? How often have we heard things about God that we expect to be true, and then we find out that things are not the way we wanted them to be, and that God may not be exactly who we thought he is. And in that confusion and chaos, our expectations don't match our experience, and we've got some reckoning to do. That's happening here in the passage. And beyond that, the passage itself, which talks about the return of Christ, which can come at any time, is not a passage of peace. This coming of Jesus in glory uh, includes, if you look in verse 10, they will come like a thief, the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That we're we're dealing here with a passage that is literally about the end of days. Literally about the destruction and apocalyptic end of all creation. Hardly a peaceful passage. Hardly a peaceful experience. And the big question that the author gives us, you can find in verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and even hastening the coming of the day of God? So there's the question, right? If Jesus is going to return at any time, if we are called at any moment to give an account, what kind of lives should we live? A few years ago, I saw a movie that, it was a, a romantic comedy type of movie, but it played with this question. The, the idea was that there was this asteroid or comet or something coming, and it was going to impact Earth and kill everybody. And there's nothing that anybody could do about it. So what will people do 
when long-term consequences are removed. And people, of course, had a variety of responses. Some went to work, some parted hard, some made sure to say things they had always meant to say, always needed to say. What kind of lives should we live? If we really believe that it's possible that at any moment we can be called to give an account, what kind of lives should we live? There's the question, and his answer comes in our verse today, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And here's the message for us today as we consider peace in this Advent season. Is that peace, biblical peace, is possible. Biblical peace is possible even when the world comes falling apart. Even when things come to an end, biblical peace is possible. Here the picture, of course, is that it's, it's literally the end of the world. And the call is to be at peace. Into these Christians' lives that are chaotic and frustrated, peace is possible. Even when the world, even when our world comes crashing down, even when things don't go the way we want them to go, peace is possible. And that's good news. And that's good news. It's good news because peace is not just an absence of conflict, but peace is a positive, active relationship with God and with others that can exist at the same time as confusion and chaos and uncertainty. Thanks be to God. So the big question is how, right? How do we do that? How do we access this peace that keeps us internally peaceful and grounded even when the world spins out of control, out of our control? Well, the first thing uh, in verse 14 that I'd point you to is that you are waiting, you are diligent to be found without spot or blemish. So, of course, the first step to that is that this is about an active relationship with God. Jesus is our peace. His coming brings peace on earth and goodwill to men. That in Christ, God has laid down the conflict between humanity and the divine. And so, of course, this begins with being in Christ. This begins with a relationship of faith in Jesus Christ. That when, when we believe in him, God puts his spotlessness, his blamelessness on us, thanks be to God, and doesn't count our sins against us, and makes us spotless and blameless. But once that's done, once that's done, our diligence is to keep short accounts. Our diligence is to know that when we wrong somebody, or when we wrong God, we apologize, we make it right, we do it quickly. It means that when somebody wrongs us, we diligently and actively pursue forgiveness. When we find in ourselves bitterness, when we find in ourselves resentment, 
We do the work to bring it before God. We do the work to bring it out into the open and let his spirit grow us in the fruits of those spirit, love, joy, and peace. We do the work of confession. We do the work of forgiveness because it's the work of Jesus, because those are the active steps of being peacemakers in the world. So to, to have peace, we keep short accounts. Because our day might come at any time, we keep short accounts. Because Christ might come back and will come back like a thief unexpectedly, we keep short accounts. But secondly, you may find it ironic or unexpected that we as Christians should be looking forward to the destruction of the world and the heavens and the universe. That our great hope should be wrapped up in this apocalyptic event. How is that possible? Why would that be? It's possible because our eyes ought to be set on the good things that come. And so uh, in verse 13 today, it says, According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we know that on the other side of this event is new creation is the fullness of presence, is the, the perfect amount of peace. No longer conflict, but active and present and constant and perfect relationships of peace. I know we, we, we talked about hope last week. You talked about hope last week. But peace is grounded uh, in that hope, and uh, the hope we've got to acknowledge is not found in this world. That peace, biblically and fully, the, we have only images and hints of it here in this earth. Because of the fallen nature and because of sin. But that perfect peace will come in the new heavens and the new earth. And if we can detach our hope from things that happen here and place our hope in things that happen there, eyes off of what happens. This is why the scripture tells us to set our eyes on things above, not on earthly things. That, that all those things which are good, justice, and, uh, and an absence of war, those are good things, and spiritual peace and personal peace, those are good things, and inner clarity, that's a good thing. But it is not the perfection that God has in mind. That comes only in eternity. And so, and so we can actively now set our affections, our hearts, our thoughts, our meditations on the perfect peace that comes in eternity, and then model peace here on the perfect peace in Jesus. So those are two ways. Right, let's keep short accounts and let's set our eyes and our hopes on Jesus because the last thought I want to leave you with, that peace is not something that will just arrive when conflict ends. Peace is something that we as Christians actively pursue. We diligently are found without spot or blemish and have peace. This Advent season, as we, as we explore hope, peace, joy, and love, as we await 
and long for the coming of Christ in perfection as we set our, our feet in the eyes of Israel who is waiting for their Messiah, for their salvation to come. I want to encourage you to be active in your pursuit of peace. If you don't know the peace that comes in Jesus, put your faith in him, put your trust in him. If you... <clears throat> If you're living, and no doubt many of you are, with conflict in your lives. If there's a broken relationship because of normal stuff that comes up in families, that's hard. If there's a broken relationship because somebody who you used to be friendly with or family with has taken a different political view or a different, uh, a different view of pandemic response. There's a lot of things in our culture right now that can break relationships. There are hard words that have been spoken and need to be fixed. I want to encourage you this Advent season as part of your practice, as part of your faith, to pursue peace. It begins with an end of conflict, yes, but it goes further into an active relationship of love, an active relationship of seeking someone else's good. That is a very gospel thing to do. And our perfect picture of it comes in a couple of weeks, where God was not content just to lay down conflict with us, but instead actively loved us by sending his son to show us what perfect peace, what perfect love are, even in the face of chaos and confusion and frustration and even hatred. We should use this season to that end. Let us pray. Lord, even now, as people are hearing this, meditating, listening to you, Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind relationships that need the touch of your peace. Bring to mind specific things that need to be confessed, need to be remedied, need to be forgiven. And Holy Spirit, by your power, give us the strength, the strength of will and the strength of intention and the strength of your goodness to step out in places that are hard to be peacemakers, one with another. And Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much again for having me.